At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. I want to begin this morning with a story. It's a story of a family man who spent 12 years in a jail cell. 12 years. He missed his wife and his four children so deeply that he once described the pain as so intense that it felt like pulling flesh from his bones. And yet it was in spite of this sadness, he chose not to cave to his adversaries. He chose not to cave. You see, the man could have actually freed himself. I know those are hard to grab a hold of. You've got this guy who says it's so intense it feels like flesh pulling from the bones, and yet this reality over here is that he could actually free himself? He chose to remain in prison rather than the alternative that would have freed him, and the alternative was give up preaching the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he suffered for his faith. This man suffered for his faith. But I want you to know that his suffering and his imprisonment brought us something very, very significant, something very powerful, because that time period that he was imprisoned gave him an opportunity to write. And that's exactly what John Bunyan did. During his 12 years in prison, Bunyan wrote nine books, including the classic book, The Pilgrim's Progress. It's one of my personal favorites, but it's also a book that's been translated to more than 200 languages. Many would say that outside of the Bible, it could possibly be the most significant Christian book in the history of the church. And it was written by a man who was suffering for Christ. He was suffering for his faith. Now, today we're going to dig into a passage of Scripture that is going to help you and I to understand the role, the practical nature of suffering in the life of a believer. Now, I can guess some of you are probably going to say, okay, wait a second, Pastor, have you been through 2020? I have. I know that many of us have experienced all sorts of suffering along the way this year. But I want to make a very clear distinction for us. What we experienced in our world in this season of time is a different kind of struggle than what we're looking at today. What we experience is the collective struggle of suffering as part of humans in a broken world. The pain, the struggle that we all suffer, that's part of being in a fallen, broken world with other fallen, broken people. And that's not what the Apostle Peter is going to be speaking to us today. It's important for us to know that distinction. What we're going to be looking at today is what it means for men, women, and children to suffer for being aligned for our faith in Jesus Christ. And there is a difference. We're going to look at that difference in just a moment, but before we do, let's pray together. Gracious God, 
We call you that because that is what you are to us. You are the giver of common grace. In our world that is broken, that is hurting, that seems to be in chaos, in the midst of that, we can run to you and know that you are worthy of our praise. We can communicate through song that your Son is worthy of our praise because of what He did for us on the cross. And so, God, that's what we do today. We gather as your people to worship. But as we do, we have to recognize that there are many of us today, Father, who are hurting, who are struggling, who are barely getting by, and some of it is attached to our faith. Would you meet with us today? Would you meet with us through the power of your Holy Spirit? And yet another group of us today are walking in a way that we are seeing you work in us and through us. You're giving us earthly successes, and for those things we say thank you. But we still need to hear from you today. Wherever you find our hearts on that spectrum, God, we invite you to speak to us today through the power of your word, for your word is true, it's truth has everything we need to walk out our faith in real, significant, authentic ways. So, God, give us eyes to see the truth of Your Word today. We ask for ears to hear this truth today, and then humble, genuine hearts before You to live out this truth today and in the week ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, as we wrap up our look at the Apostle Peter's first letter, it is important for us to remember a couple of things, and I've gone over this each and every time that we dig into the text, but it is absolutely critical. You often hear me talk about context, and you can't really read and dig into a portion of Scripture without understanding what's gone on before. And so, what's important for us to know, the cultural context, is that Peter is writing to a group of believers who are exiles in a foreign land. And so, what that means is they're living amongst people who are opposed to their beliefs. They're living amongst a people who do not subscribe to their view of the world. In fact, they are living amongst the people who are genuinely hostile to followers of Christ. So, that's the cultural backdrop. Let me encourage you to grab your Bibles. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to be digging into verses 18 through 25. You will find that on 1015 in our ESV Bibles. That's the translation we use here at Woodside. And I want to encourage you, 1015, if you're looking. And if you are looking on a mobile device, you can find that on 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. Here is what Peter writes. Servants. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But... If when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered 
for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but He continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Church family, the apostle has changed the narrative a bit. A couple weeks ago when we looked at verses 13 through 17, Paul was addressing what it meant for believers to submit to human institutions. Here he makes a turn. We're going to be looking at today is how we submit to those in authority over us in the context of the workplace or the household. Now, before we go any further, I want to address a key word, and I want to spend some time on this key word that is found in our text. It is a word that we cannot and should not overlook. That is how the text begins. It's the word servant. In this first century Roman context, Peter is speaking of a household slave, a servant. But slaves in the Roman Empire were well-educated. They were so well-educated, in fact, that sometimes the family for whom they worked would make them the teacher. They were so well-educated that at times the family would ask them to perform medical responsibilities within the family. That's how educated some of these slaves were in this Roman culture. But I want to be very clear about something. Slavery was not desirable. It was not desirable, but I do want you to know that it is very different when we read about slavery in the Scriptures and when you fast forward to the American colonial times or in, in Britain. It's not the same thing. It's different. Well, then the obvious question is, well, how different? Why is it different? What, what makes it different? Well, history shows us that first century slaves could, in fact, buy their freedom. They had the opportunity to buy their freedom. It was not easy to do, but they could, in fact, purchase their freedom. But I want to make very clear something from the Scriptures. I do not want you to walk out of here misunderstanding this. This is so very significant. To be clear, the New Testament never affirms slavery. Never affirms slavery. What it does is it speaks to an existing social structure. When Peter pens this letter, what he's doing is he's writing to the believers who are in this existing social structure. And he's saying, I'm going to give you some counsel on what it means to walk out your faith in this existing social structure. He does not affirm the structure. He does not affirm slavery. But what he does is he says, as Christ followers... As believers, I'm going to speak to your witness in the midst of that structure. 
It's very important for us to grab a hold of that. Now, let's dig a little bit deeper into the text and see how, what all of this has to do with you and with me. Let's look at verses 18 through 20 a little more, a little more closely. He says, servants, we've already talked about that, be subject to your master with disdain, with anger, with frustration. That's actually not what it says. Be subject to your masters with all respect. Well, I can do that if they're good guys, right? Not only to the good and the gentle ones, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When, mindful, considering God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and you are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Church family, we might read those words and say, wow, that, that's pretty powerful. We have no idea the significance of what that passage, those few verses captured and the punch that they packed. Here's why. What Peter said is culture-changing. It's radical. It's a bold statement about society because what Peter is doing here is he is saying servants or slaves, you are welcome in the household. You are welcome in this narrative. What? You see, by doing so, what he's doing is he is saying there is no longer a distinction between slave and free. He's breaking it down. Because of Christ. Because of Jesus. Because they are one in Christ. You see, Jesus, He changes everything. I want you to know that this is not just some idea that Peter had. That he went rogue against the other writers of Scripture and the other first century narrative. We also find Peter's words to be somewhat similar to something the Apostle Paul said when he wrote to the church in Galatia. He said, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. You see, Jesus is the one who breaks down barriers. He breaks down the walls of division. Jesus is the one who looks beyond our ethnicity. He looks beyond our status. He looks beyond our gender and any other way that the world seeks to, to separate us and divide us. In Christ, there is unity. In Christ, there is oneness. Church, Jesus changes everything. But let's consider the masters or those employers, those unjust slave owners. Let's consider what it means to live and work under those conditions. But first, in order to do that, we have to understand what it would mean to be an unjust slave owner. Let me give you some insight as to what is not unjust treatment, okay? If your boss is getting on you about your unprofessional appearance, if your boss is getting all up in your face about your lack of timeliness or your, your tardiness, 
your bosses, in your business about the quality of your work, your lack of effort. If that describes you today, I have bad news. The Scripture scripture is tough and speaks directly against those things. Because if that's true of you, you're getting what you deserve because you're not working as unto the Lord. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Believers are called to excellence. We are called to giving Him our best. But if you are doing all of those things, if you look good when you show up to work, you look prepared, you look professional, if you show up and you are on time, you're doing your best, you're engaged, you're fully there, you're looking forward to contribute, if you are doing those things and you are still getting treated badly, you're still getting overlooked Somebody else is getting the promotion and you are not. You're being discriminated against because of your faith, then you are experiencing exactly what Peter is talking about, unjust suffering. And thankfully, Peter, in our text today, gives us three ways that you and I can remain faithful while suffering for doing good and walking in faith. And the first way is that you and I are called to find grace in our suffering. You and I are called to find and experience God's grace in the midst of our suffering. Believer, I want to encourage you today. Many of you right now are experiencing what we're talking about. Your workplace, your school, whatever it might be, you stand for the gospel, you stand for the truth of God's Word, and you pay a price. I want to offer you a word of encouragement today. God sees you. God understands your struggle. God knows the pain of unfair and unjust treatment. And it is because of God's grace to you that you don't have to retaliate. You don't have to retaliate. Instead, the follower of Christ can rest in the grace of God. Instead, the believer can trust in the ultimate justice of God. We know that's true of His character from the truth of God's Word. And instead of retaliating, the Christ follower can serve faithfully, seeking to overcome evil with good. But I want you to know that this is not done just by trying harder. This is not practiced by trying harder, just developing a little more of of the power of our humanity. Rather, this is born of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in the amazing grace that you and I have in Christ. You see, we are called to find God's grace, His unmerited favor amidst our struggle. But then that leaves us with an obvious question, doesn't it? Well, how do I do that? We look to the author and the perfecter of our faith. We follow Jesus in the ways of suffering. Let's continue in our text, picking it up at verse 21. It says, for to this you have been called. What? 
I've been called to unjust suffering, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. And when He did so, He was leaving you an example, so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin. Jesus committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in His mouth. When Jesus was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not respond with a threat, but He continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. Church family, Jesus suffered, and when He did, He left you and me an example. Jesus gives us an example so that you and I as His followers might truly follow in His ways. Peter explains it pretty clearly in this text. He says, Jesus suffered, so therefore He leaves you an example. He says, Jesus suffered, and guess what? He committed no sin. Jesus suffered, and He did not threaten retaliation. Jesus suffered, and He entrusted Himself and his situation to his heavenly Father. Jesus trusted completely. Church, this provides us the second way, that you and I can remain faithful while suffering for doing good. We should follow the ways of Jesus in our suffering. You and I are called to follow the ways of Christ through suffering. But the reality is that we cannot bear the anguish and the pain of what Jesus did on the cross, can we? So what does this mean? I mean, I can't be Jesus on the cross. That's already taken care of. What am I supposed to do? How do I walk this out? It means that we follow Jesus in the manner in which He endured suffering. It means that you and I follow in His steps and choose not to retaliate. We choose not to sin. We choose not to complain and grumble. This is the model that Jesus gave you and me when He was nailed to the cross. Now, I realize that some of this might seem impossible. You're like, Pastor, that's an unrealistic expectation. I am a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I can't do what Jesus did. Because the reality is the emotions are welling up within us. When we experience injustice, we want to fight for every bit of it to get justice, don't we? We demand that it be made right in our world. In our lives, many of us run to our favorite social media platform and just blast away. Expose that unjust treatment. I get it. I get it. But the problem is when we do that, when we have that outward defiant demonstration against the unjust, it is not the way of our Lord. It's not the way of Jesus. I love the way one theologian explains how sinners like you and I can make it through this time. Here's what he writes. He says, when a believer is conscious of God, God gives him the necessary strength to bear the pain. 
God extends him grace and extends him mercy, and yet God is fully in control of every situation. That means he knows your situation. That means God knows your strife. God knows the pain that you're experiencing. It is not taking him by surprise. And it's in this struggle. It is in this struggle that you and I experience when we suffer that God shows himself faithful. And God provides what we need. He provides what believers need to press on. Now let's continue. Looking at the final portion of our text. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25. It says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds we have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have more returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. In these two verses, Peter points us back to the foundation of our faith. He says it is about Jesus the Christ. He is the one who bore our sins in His body on the tree. Jesus is the one who carried the weight that I could not carry. Jesus carried the weight that you could not carry. It's called sin. That's why Jesus took our place on a cross. And in that one significant moment that changed the history of the world, on that cross, He bore the burden of my sin and He bore the, bor- the burden of your sin. It was the righteous dying for the unrighteous. It was the just dying for the unjust. Why? So that those of us who have faith in Christ might have life. So that you and I might truly live. This is why Peter in such clear fashion says, by his wounds you have been healed. You see, through the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross, He brings healing to our souls, to all who repent and believe upon Him. If that's you today, if you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven. The guilt is gone. You no longer need to live in the shame of the sin that you carry. That's gone in Christ. And in that fact alone, Every person in this room who is in Christ should say amen. Every one of us. But church, I want you to know this is not just future grace. This is not just something that happens in the future, that we we can experience it in the days ahead. No, the reality is you and I can experience it right here, right now. And this gives us the third way that we can be faithful while suffering for doing good. And that is when we focus on the overseer and the shepherd of our soul. When you and I focus, when we turn our attention to the overseer and the shepherd of our soul, two phrases in, verses, in verse 25, the overseer and the shepherd. Peter uses those very specifically. 
and they help us understand the significance of the role that Jesus plays in your life and in my life today. Here's what it means. As an overseer, Jesus is the guardian of our souls. He is the one who provides guidance and direction for the church, for God's people. That's the overseer. As our shepherd, Jesus is the one who feeds us and cares for us, loves us, the church. You see, so when we place our attention, when we place our focus upon Jesus in the midst of our suffering, what happens is we draw closer to God. First, we do so in His suffering. Then we do it when we experience a genuine dependence upon Him. And finally, when we experience the hope of the glory that is to come. church, it's in this eternal perspective that the Apostle Paul offered these words to the believers in Corinth. It's a very familiar passage, and it's very significant when we consider what we're looking at today. Here's what Paul writes. He says, this light and momentary affliction, what we are experiencing today, this affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. Beyond comparison. If you are in Christ today, that's your future. If you are in Christ today, that's what your future holds. But before we get there, before we get to experience that future glory, that future grace, God's people, believers, will suffer for doing good. I know that's not the best news, but we will suffer for doing good. In fact, some of us are suffering right now. It might be something as simple and as mundane as a harsh word, a harsh phrase, but we suffer. For some of us, when we stand for truth, we stand for the gospel, we have a group of friends, and suddenly that group of friends is no longer our friends. When we stand for the gospel... Sometimes we get skipped over at work. We get overlooked. And the reality is some of us are experiencing suffering that's far beyond what I've talked about in those examples. What you and I can be sure of is this. We are not promised our best life now. We are not promised that now. Instead, believers will suffer for doing good. But when we do, when we walk through that struggle, when we walk through that struggle, we are not called to respond with anger. What we're called to respond with is hope, is hope, a deep, genuine hope that is based not in my strength or yours, but it is a hope that is based upon our overseer, and our shepherd, the one who has overcome suffering and death and told his followers these powerful words. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Church, in the face of suffering, may we find our hope in Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.